Hi, and welcome to Facts and Blog and Podcast. Now in February or March or April, if they're talking about uh, banning assault weapons, guess what? They are talking about your Glock 17. Yeah. They are talking about your Springfield Armory XDM. They are talking about your SIG P320. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't, I mean, like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't own one of those assault weapons. Yes, what? You do. Yeah. You know, I think most people know your dad. A lot of people know Tom uh, from the Gun Talk radio show. But, you know, how long ago did Gun Talk actually get started? And, and what was that? Like I guess people know my dad's Tom Gresham. He's the host of Gun Talk Radio. But it really started before that. It's, I, it started because I'm third generation this. And my grandfather, Gritz Gresham, was an outdoor writer, gun writer, if you will. Um, but he wrote for um, Sports of Field magazine and all a lot of different hunting and, and gun magazines as well. And really became well-known because he did a bunch of stuff on TV. He did uh, the American Sportsman on ABC back when there were only three networks. Yeah. So basically the, the, the three networks were just splitting the audience. He had a third of the United States watching at any yeah. given time. Uh, this week's segment is brought to you by our friends at Crimson Trace. We're going to be giving away one of the CMR 204s, uh, the Railmaster Pro Light and Laser. But what in the world is this? Come on now. Jay's custom board. Where's mine? We could get one. Amazon has wonderful things. That's where I got that bad boy. It looks Jordan like more like it looks like a paddle yes, from this, like those a of sorority us. or a fraternity paddle. That's what it looks like for me. Are you Did you ever me? see this? It looks like the stuff that our parents spanked <laughs> us with in the seventies. So you've heard it a million times before on tons of different forums and blogs and safety tips and tutorials that a clean gun is a safe gun. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we think you should look into our friends over at Tipton. Now you'll see some of their stuff popping up in our podcast in the coming weeks because we're going to be doing some cleaning episodes. How do you clean a pistol? How do you clean an AR? What are the types of things that you need to safety check on those items? And you'll see a lot of Tipton products coming up in those episodes as well. What I have with me right now is their uh, Tipton gun cleaning kit for pistols. This has really everything you need to get started with keeping up with your pistol, whether it's your EDC or your range gun or your competition gun. Uh, it really is an easy to store, take with you, throw in your bag and making sure that you are keeping up with all of the needs of your firearm. So obviously everything down from patches and brushes and rods, it's all right here ready to go. But Tipton has tons of other stuff, including vices, solvents, and all the things you need to keep your guns safe. So make sure you check out our friends Tipton and check them out on the podcast as well. Hi, and welcome to episode 42 of the Facts and Blogging podcast. We have a great episode for you today. Our friend Ryan Gresham from Gun Talk Media is on with us. And uh, if you have not uh, met Ryan before, you've probably heard of his dad, Tom, and his grandfather, Gritz. Uh, they have been in the firearms media industry for decades, and we're excited to have them on. Ryan's going to be talking with me a little bit about how Gun Talk got started, uh, how 
how the radio show got started, how they're now on over 200 different radio stations, as well as the podcast and all of their other media brands, including uh, Guns and Gear, First Person Defender, and so on. So make sure you stick around for that, because we're also going to be talking a little bit about uh, what he thinks the current climate for the firearms community is looking like. Obviously, they've been around for decades. They've been around for many different uh, presidential elections, many different pieces of legislation that impact the 2A community. Uh, so they've they've been here before and they've also not been here before. We understand that this is a new time for all of us, uh, but they definitely have a wealth of knowledge to fall back on and to give insight from. Don't forget that we are in the middle of our sportsman hunting giveaway. So if you are interested in hunting or you want to fill out your uh, locker for some outdoor shooting sports, you don't want to miss this giveaway. It is being highlighted by a custom 350 Legend rifle from us here at Faxon uh, that was done by Tom at One-Off Coating in Dayton in a special multicam, um, as well as a Thompson Center muzzle loader. We have prizes from Scentlock, Rocky Boots, Crimson Trace, Hornady, uh, Bison Coolers, tons of other great brands. It's uh, been probably the biggest giveaway we've had a uh, year to date so far. Uh, don't forget to enter for that. You can find all the ways to enter at faxandfirearms.com. And there's, again, tons of different ways to get entries in. And just a few days are left. Uh, so make sure you get in for your daily entries. Also this week, filling in for Jay, we have Britt Faxon back on the show. And uh, we're going to be giving a little teaser to our Thanksgiving special. Uh, we already talked to you a little bit about the fact that we show, we're showing you how to make homemade Cincinnati ghetto with Jay and Britt also hopped in for the Thanksgiving special to help make a Facts and Family favorite of chess pie. So we'll be showing that segment from our upcoming Thanksgiving special episode that will be airing next week. So we're looking forward to having Britt on with us. And that segment this week is brought to you by our friends at Crimson Trace. We're going to be giving away a CMR 204 Railmaster Pro. So if you're interested in winning the CMR 204, just stick around for the Jay's World of Eats segment with Brit and the Chess Pie, and you'll find all of the ways to enter. Before we go any further, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our friends of the podcast, and then we'll hop into our conversation with Ryan of Gun Talk Media. You know, it's no secret that the things that you keep in your gun safe are important. They're valuable. They're things that you want, you need, you need to hold on to, whether it's just your firearms and supplies, or I know a lot of people like to use their gun safes to hold things like tax returns and other important documents, family photos. All of those things are incredibly important. And to help keep better track of it and better maintenance on those items, Lockdown has a series of devices and utilities and tools to help keep those things that you treasure safe. One of my personal favorites that we actually use here in the office quite a bit uh, around our storage for cameras and lighting and things like that is just one of their dehumidifiers. Now they have lots of other stuff. You may have already heard of the golden rod. You've heard a lot of stuff about the lockdown puck, uh, which is a smart device to help keep your gun drawer, your safe, your tools, even your wine cellar safe uh, and checking up on the humidity and the atmosphere in those places as well. We did a great episode with Lockdown several weeks back that you could check out at factsandfirearms.com slash blog, where we go through pretty much their entire product line and everything from the Lockdown Puck to dehumidifiers to even things like, you know, storage, 
rack shelving, things of that variety, keeping your safe, keeping your gun room clean, organized and protected. And you can even get something like this, one of their room or gun safe dehumidifiers. If you're looking to organize that space in your home, again, whether it's for your gun safe or just anything that you hold valuable, we'd recommend you go to lockdown.com. Well, as promised, uh, today we have a very special guest. Ryan from Gun Talk is on. You may know of Gun Talk from either the radio show or the multiple podcasts or even just uh, guntalk.com with all the information, the articles, all the resources uh, that they, they keep up to date on day after day, week after week, year after year. And Ryan, I have to say, I'm really excited to have you on because Gun Talk has been in this firearms media game long before social media was a thing, long before <laughs> podcasts were a thing things. So I have to say it's a, it's a real great pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is fun. Yeah. We've been at it a while. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, I think most people know your dad. A lot of people know Tom, uh, from the gun talk radio show, but you know, how long ago did gun talk actually get started and, and what was that like, you know, in, in those early days, how do you, how do you get the ball rolling on something like this? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I guess people know my dad's Tom Gresham. He's the host of Gun Talk Radio. But it really started before that. It's, I, it started because I'm third generation in this. And my grandfather, Gritz Gresham, was an outdoor writer, gun writer, if you will. Um, but he wrote for um, Sports of Field magazine and all a lot of different hunting and, and gun magazines as well. And really became well-known because he did a bunch of stuff on TV. He did uh, the American Sportsman on ABC back when there were only three networks. Yeah. So basically the, the, the three networks were just splitting the audience. You had a third of the United States watching at any yeah. given time. And uh, so he did that, you know, took Terry Bradshaw and Burt Reynolds and Bing Crosby and people like that, hunting and fishing and shooting. Wow. And, uh, and then he did the Miller Lite commercials, the taste great, less filling commercials for, I think about 12, 13 years. Um, so, you know, he, it's, we always like to joke, he wrote thousands of articles and did all these things, but he's just known as the beer guy. The beer, <laughs> yeah. It's whatever sticks in people's brains, uh, on that, on that <laughs> last little tip. You know, that's, uh, that's super fascinating. Also, first of all, your grandfather has a great name. Uh, by the way, what a, what a perfect name for, a yeah, I mean, there's a story there. His, his dad was a semi-pro baseball player. And so it came from a, I guess, um, yeah, a nickname that evolved and, and it kind of stuck. Um, but so, I mean, his, his real name wasn't Grits, but I think, you know, most of his mail he got at his house was dressed to Grits Gresham. Yeah, that's <laughs> fantastic. You know, the and so does that just mean, you know, apples fall from the tree and it was kind of in the stars that this was something that, that you wanted to, to be a part of as well? Yeah, it's funny. I grew up in it. Yeah. I grew up hunting. I grew up shooting. I grew up going on photo shoots for magazines and, and doing those types of things. But I didn't really think I was going to do this because people would say to me, are you going to be a writer like your dad? And at the time I, I didn't really consider myself a writer. And, um, I knew that outdoor writers didn't make very much money. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I, that's not really my, my path, even though I like shooting and hunting and all those things. But of course, when they said, are you going to be a writer? That was before we had YouTube and the internet and podcasts and all these other things. 
And I did go into media and do that outside of the gun industry for a long time. And then uh, started doing this as, as gun talk, as people know it today, um, you ask kind of how long has it been around and how did that get started? Uh, gun talk radio started 25 years ago, um, started on, I think, three or four radio stations um, as syndicated talk radio show. And today it's on 250, 260 radio stations each week. We have the podcast that um, is a, is a pretty well listened to podcast. So as far as the gun talk network, we keep adding stuff to it. So I joined up about 12 years ago, kind of my background in media and advertising sales and what I was doing uh, prior to this. And we grew up from there. So the goal for us is trying to reach those 90 million gun owners out there. We're not, we don't attempt to be uh, super niche on a particular thing. Right. And we don't claim to be experts of all things. We're, we're big enthusiasts and been around a long time and, and know some stuff, but um, that's kind of the goal. And, and our, our ultimate like, Sneaky goal is our kind of our stated uh, goal here internally is making gun ownership unremarkable. Right. Because even 12 years ago when I started working with my dad, um, I would, I would hesitate when people would ask me what I did. Yeah. And it's like, what do you do? And you're like, um, I, I do media <laughs> right. or whatever. Yes. And I think a lot of us in, the, in this gun industry have done that. Right. And then I, I'm probably about a year in, I was like, this is stupid. I'm just telling people what I do. And I don't think I've gotten a single negative reaction over the years. Yeah. You know, that's that's funny that you mentioned that because I've been with Faxon for actually uh, this week was one year for me. And, uh, you know, so we moved down here. You kind of get set up, you start getting to know your neighbors and things. And, you know, just recently a trick or treat, you know, we're all out with our kids. And one of my neighbors goes, now my wife said you work for the city or something. And I was like, ah, something like that, uh, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you know, and, and it is, it's, it's because you don't know kind of, uh, what social agenda is going on there and it does make you nervous and things, but yeah, I agree, you know, to, to make the whole gun ownership thing unremarkable. Like what I like to say here is, uh, when we do the show is kind of pull back some of the mystique. You know, our very mm -hmm. first, our very first show was about who is a gun owner and looking at not only at stereotypes, but also looking at just what the data says, you know, the data will tell you that it's, it's way more than what general popular media tells you is the typical gun owner. And I think we've seen that come to fruition this year in a very big way. Big time. Yeah. And I, and what I discovered when I stopped I don't know, sugarcoating it or whatever of what I do is, and that's what I mentioned. I mean, I've had so many positive interactions with people um, over the years of just saying, yeah, we do, we do gun talk, we cover guns, shooting, hunting, all that type of stuff. And uh, I mean, I even, I've had, I've had uh, Southwest Airlines, like customer service phone people and gun talk is, and she goes, like the radio show? Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like a, this is some, as a woman on the phone and I think she's, she was in Texas. She goes, oh, I listen to that show all the time. I was like, really? Okay, that's great. Yeah. And she goes, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep our guns. We gotta keep our gun rights. Yeah. And then she goes, 
you know, they're recording this call, but I don't even care if I get in trouble. I love what y'all do. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Well, that is something, you know, Ryan, that I was really hoping we could dive into today in general, being the fact that this has been a generational thing for your family and seeing uh, firearms in, in American life in general over these decades, but also being in firearms media for these decades, multiple presidents, multiple batches of gun legislation, the radio show started at the height of the assault weapons ban. Now we're coming into 2021 after an unprecedented year in firearms sales. You know, the estimate is six and a half million new gun owners this year in the United States. And, uh, you know, even though there were a lot of gray areas when it comes to the election proper, if we're looking at Joe Biden as president elect, and if we take a look at uh, some of the things that were on his official um, campaign website, as far as, you know, gun control and things are considered, you know, you guys have to collect from so many different media outlets and you have so many different types of guests on and you have all these different brands to fulfill, uh, you know, media for, uh, I guess my question, is does this feel brand new or does this feel uh, does 2021 and a new president feel like something you guys have been through before? Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, um, yeah, we've been through this before. Uh, the difference is when Joe Biden helped pass the assault weapons ban, ban back in 94 and he was one of the big architects of getting that to happen. Um, the Democrats had been in power for 40 years in Congress. And that's the only reason, the only way they got it passed was to agree to it to sunset in 10 years. And they really did assume well, we'll still be in power. So we'll just pass it again. No big deal. Right. And the irony is uh, passing the assault weapons ban is what made the Democrats lose Congress. And, uh, and it actually flipped for the first time in 40 years, but that is the goal. I mean, that is, he wants to, he wants to double down. He wants to not just, okay. Cause the problem is in our world, the assault weapons ban sounds like something that it's not. Mm -hmm. And, and it's going to be even worse this time. They've kind of learned their lessons. Like number one, if we can get it going, we're not going to let it sunset. Number two, we're not limiting it to just what they would call ugly guns. Right. I mean, anything semi-automatic is out of here, gone, bad, bye. Um, and they're going to, you know, go for all of it. And that's the whole thing. It's, it's funny to me, the, the arguments about what he will or won't do or what he wants to do or doesn't want to do with your guns. Oh, he doesn't want to take your guns. Have you read, have you read what he stated he wants to do? Right. Um, ban the online sale of guns and ammunition, ban, you know, ban, uh, when they say the ban, the manufacturer and possession of assault weapons, which can mean anything because it has no definition. Um, so that means uh, all the companies can't make them anymore and you can't own them. Well, how does that work? Right. It's like, it's a magic stroke of the stroke of the wand, you know, executive order like we had with some other things in the past. Yeah, that is that is such a huge uh, question mark. And I think for people, you know, like us and like a lot of our audiences that are in the industry in some way, whether you're a a hunter, or maybe you dabble in gunsmithing, or you like doing AR builds or, or what have you, you know, we have a certain amount of knowledge about different firearms platforms and what they're used for, what they're not used for, what the rules and regulations are for them. And then the general populace outside of that, that hears, like you said, assault weapons ban. Oh, that sounds great. Because when I think assault weapons, I think of mass shootings. And I think of things that look like 
guns I see on video games and all this kind of stuff. But when you start peeling back those layers and you go, nah, it's, we're talking about all semi-automatics. I mean, that could be shotguns for some people. That could be 1022, uh, you know, rifles. It could be, you know, yep. anything like that. Because again, you have people even like Joe Biden on a flub, uh, a news interview a while back saying, you know, semi-automatic means you pull and... It just rapid fire. It's like, right. no, come on, brother. Like you, so along you know, those this lines, is interesting. Yeah. Along those lines. Um, I mean, now some of them like, like Joe Biden, whether he knows or doesn't know, he doesn't really care. He just knows he wants to ban them and get rid of them and, and infringe on your second amendment rights. But I would challenge anybody listening to this. Probably if you're listening to this or you're watching it, you are probably one of the more knowledgeable gun people in your circle, right? Fair right, enough. Right. I would challenge you to go to any committee hearing at your state capitol on a gun thing and listen to, or you know what? Save yourself the trouble. Go click on online on, on, on all of these publicly recorded videos of these hearings because I've done it. I've been to my state capitol numerous times and watched a panel of a dozen politicians debate a gun issue they don't know anything about it they right. know nothing about it and they don't bother to say well i don't really know anything about that subject maybe we should bring in somebody they just go well i have a really strong opinion about this thing i don't know it'd be like me saying you know an opinion about um orthopedic surgery right i, I, I know nothing about it but i have yeah. a really strong opinion about what you should be doing mm -hmm. and i'll vote right now right like, yeah it's crazy the the Best thing that I could draw it to right now was when they had uh, Zuckerberg and those uh, Senate hearings about privacy and data collection and everything, you know, long, long before the election, long before all that, yep. they kind of coming off the whole, uh, you know, Russia dabbled in the 2016 election or whatever. And you had government officials asking him like, you know, questions about, well, if I like something on Facebook and you sell or, or then Yahoo gives me this thing. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like these are, these are two different things. You're talking to people, <laughs> you know, and, and some people are like, well, how do you even make money? And he goes, sir, we, right. we sell advertisements. That's, that's, that's how we make our money. Like how does your business even stay afloat if you don't charge your, charge your users to be on your platform? And so that's the type of thing where I think pretty much anybody and, you know, uh, Gen X on down could probably look at those hearings and go, oh, that's so silly. These, these politicians are so dis disconnected from everyday life and from this topic in general. And, you know, poor Mark Zuckerberg has to sit up there and explain how the internet works to people. And to me, that's the same thing that we're seeing in the firearms industry. You're getting all these people who are so detached from it um, that don't really bring in counsel. Uh, they're just kind of responding to whatever they think is going to be a, a winning platform. And that's where I think it starts to get, you know, really, really sticky. And for me, I hope that shows like ours, shows like yours, you know, are able to pull some of that back. And like you said, if you are the person in your inner circle who's probably gotten a bunch of phone calls and emails and text messages this year about, oh my gosh, now I, I do want to buy a gun, what do I do? Uh, that you need to be, you know, part of who's helping educate, uh, you know, the, these six and a half million new, new gun owners that, you know, could have maybe, hopefully, some kind of sway and, and what this gun legislation, you know, could or would look like. 
Yeah, and educate the politicians. And and yes, um, you know, for your your buddy who said, "Man, I think I need to buy a gun." And they, what should I get? You're you're my friend who does gun stuff. And uh, now in February or March or April, if they're talking about uh, banning assault weapons, guess what? They are talking about your Glock 17. Yeah, they are talking about your Springfield Armory XDM. They are talking about your Sig P320. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, like, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't own one of those assault weapons. Yes, what you do? Yeah, you're one of us now. Under this, so welcome yeah. to the party. Under this vague umbrella that's been created on this platform, mm-hmm. pretty much, pretty much everything but muzzle loaders is on the table for for banning. You know, at mm-hmm. at this point, and I think that's you know where a lot of folks in the two way community we get we do get a little skittish. Now, something that we've talked about a little bit before on previous episodes, we've had um, uh, Sean Maloney, uh, who's a defense attorney and does some work with the NRA, and he runs Second Call Defense, uh, which is uh, legal help for folks who do own firearms. And so he's very keen on the legislation. The thing that gets me uh, and I brought up to him the last time he was on was this whole idea of executive orders um, coming mm-hmm. into play for this. And, and, you know, the, the, you know, Biden Harris platform was like, we're going to give Congress a hundred days, you know, we're going to start, you know, doing executive orders now from the activism and things that you've been part of and the things that you've seen. I mean, do you think it could be as quick as one stroke of the pen and this could be coming down or do you think there's going to be, you know, a a little bit of a legal bout before any type of ruling comes down and it starts impacting, you know, the everyday lives of uh, gun owners? Well, I guess we have to see, yeah, stroke of the pen, law of the land. That's from Emanuel, Mm -hmm. uh, his quote. We'll have to see. We'll see if um, what happens in Georgia with the elections there, if if we hold the majority in the Senate, um, and we've gained a little ground in the in the House, which can be helpful in preventing old Nancy Pelosi from getting uh, as much done as she'd like to. Um, but that's the problem. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know. To sue, to sue someone, you have to have grounds and to have grounds, sometimes you have to get arrested. Who wants to get arrested first? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And so the executive order thing, maybe there are lawsuits, but a lot of times um, it happens and people shrug and go, well, that sucks. And then they move on with their lives. So you kind of have to keep it from getting there as much as you can. Um, yeah. And I guess, um, you know, we all have a responsibility to shine the light on what's going on there and, uh, and hold them accountable and, and be vocal. I feel like I'm still a little bit disappointed with how vocal our, our 90 million or so gun owners are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say the, the NRA has plus or minus somewhere in the neighborhood of like 5 million members. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they had, you know what they could do if they had 20 million members, pretty right. much anything. Yeah. Um, they would, they would, and, and, you know, I'm kind of, some of us are getting tired of pulling the wagon. We'd like more people to get out of the wagon and, and help us pull this wagon on second amendment stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, one hypothetical that I'll throw at you, uh, that we've seen this year is obviously, you know, the pandemic hits and we see a spike in gun sales and then shortly followed is all the protests and civil unrest that happened through various protests, uh, whether it be the things that were happening out in Seattle or, uh, you know, everything that followed, uh, the 
killing of George Floyd and on down the line. And it's, you know, we're sitting here as a manufacturer and we're seeing sales go up and then we're like, okay, this will start to settle because of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden we see all these protests and all this civil unrest and and so on. And one of the concerns before the election was that if Trump did get reelected, that we were going to see protests and riots like we hadn't even seen yet. And, right. you know, I, I think it's kind of hard to wade through where all of these, um, you know, legal standings are when it comes to the Trump administration, you know, demanding recounts and uh, the whole voter fraud situation and late ballots in Pennsylvania and, and all these different things. I mean, from from where you sit and from all the news outlets that you see, do do we think there's even a slim chance that there is some sort of crazy, weird upset and, and Trump gets renamed president elect? And if so, what could we be bracing for uh, as far as uh, you know, uh, you know, the general populace, uh, responding to it. <laughs> um, I, I, just my guess, I don't have any inside information or any, anything that could support this, but my guess is, uh, is Biden is going to be the next president. Um, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of momentum going towards these recounts, um, and, or, you know, or, looking at the election and the ballots and all this stuff. Um, if it, if it did happen that all of a sudden, no, oh, whoops, at the last minute, Trump yeah. is the winner. Yeah. I think there'd be some uprisings, but so far we've seen it around the country. And even when you go, wow, there's a lot of that going on. It's still very uh, limited to, to some specific Metro areas, even in, even in that Metro area. It's like I was talking to a, a buddy in Portland and, uh, we had um, one of our one of our gun talk crew uh, had to fly out to Portland for a media event last week, and kind of were trying to get the intel. And he goes, "Really, the craziness is limited to a four block area in downtown." Right. And if you think about the big metro area that you live closest to and know best, I mean, a four block area in downtown Houston or Cincinnati or wherever, it's like, well, I can avoid that. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have to go in there. So it's kind of like, wow, there's riots and there's horrible and it's everywhere except that it's it's not in 99 point something percent of the country right yeah i think that is a, a huge thing to take into consideration i mean you're exactly right we are uh right outside a, a main metro area here in cincinnati that just like a lot of other cities saw their fair share of uh uh, protests and demonstrations and, and things like that. But, you know, the minute you go out to the suburbs, the minute you get outside of the outer belt, uh, it is a totally, totally different world. Now, I do think there there have been some uh, progressive suburbs, if you will, that were also kind of staging things and trying to be very, you know, um, activist looking, uh, but it wasn't near the kind of, oh my gosh, like if I go down there, I'm, I'm going to be fearing for my life. It wasn't that type of, it wasn't that type of, of situation. Um, but l let me ask you this with, you know, assuming Biden stays president elect and, and he is, uh, you know, takes his oath of office in Q1 of next year. 
I mean, what do you think are some real actionable ways that people like us uh, in in the media or people like us who are firearms manufacturers or even folks who are just, you know, gun owners that want to stay legal gun owners? What do you think are some of the more simple steps that we can take to, like you said, shine the light on uh, on really what we're, we're trying to defend? I think it's uh, being a, a vocal um, being vocal with your representatives who are in Washington for you. And politicians, um, they do a lot of different things, but one thing they can do is count. And if they are flooded with calls and emails of, hey, look, you represent me and I'm a Second Amendment supporter and I expect you to do these things, um, it can affect their their behavior, whether they want to, you know, stay in Washington and, and still stay being you know, employed there or not. Yeah. And there are, there are certain politicians that aren't going to listen to you. I mean, if look, if you're, if you're in Southern California and your representative may go, I'm not worried about this guy. Yeah. Um, but um, at the very least, the people who should be on our side, you got to make sure that they're not waffling or they're thinking, or, or maybe they're like, well, I'm, I'm in favor of guns. I, I hunt pheasants every uh, year. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. This isn't about that. And you can't agree to the idea that there's such thing as a bad gun. You can't yeah. even start down that road. It was like, well, we're only wanting the the really bad ones. Well, there aren't, it's, it's just a, it's a metal object. It's, there's no such thing as a bad gun. Mm-hmm. You know, there are bad people doing bad things with legal products, perhaps, but you know, that's, that's, that's not my problem. So I, I would say be super vocal, stay on them. And also the first time they hear from you should not, not be you yelling at the, in the phone at them. Right. The first, you know, you need to call, introduce yourself, get to know the staff there. If you call and Deborah answers the phone, it's like, Hey, Deborah, I'm, you know, Ryan from your district back home and just wanted to say hello. And, you know, here's a couple of things that are important to me and I'll be, you know, stay in touch with you guys and, Make friends, you yeah. know, this, yeah. is a, this is a sales gig <laughs> and it's, and just put it on your calendar, on your outlook to remind yourself every two weeks to call Deborah and say hi. Yeah. And then when something comes up, then you can kind of go, Hey, look, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to the man or the, the lady in charge or whatever. Right. And now is, uh, for you guys, is, is gun talk are, is Texas home for you? Is that where you are? No, we are, uh, we're actually in South Louisiana, just outside of South Louisiana. Okay. You said Houston and I was like, oh, that's not in my notes. Uh, but I mean, how, uh, you know, how have you seen maybe the, the demographic shift, you know, for, um, I, I still think there's a bit of a misnomer where people think that all Southern states are just very much 2A active. And I feel like mm-hmm. I have friends and family that live in the South and especially in these last few years have really seen a shift in um, especially metropolitan areas, but overall in the South where it's like, you know, it's not so much like that anymore. You can't necessarily count on these places being like red states, if you will. Is that something similar that you guys are seeing back home or, or have, do you feel like you're, it's still holding pretty tight? Yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, the big metro areas, um, have always been, you know, skewed democratic and that's not changing. That's just getting ever more. Um, I think that it's kind of funny. I think both sides are digging in deeper yeah. on 
where they're at with things. One of the biggest ones that's kind of crazy is Texas. Texas is has been a, a bastion of Republican voters and conservative values. And damn it, Joe Rogan and all these people moving to Austin that are letting the word out that, hey, things are cool here. Taxes are lower and freedom is higher. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, Californian people, or it's not always California, but they move somewhere because they don't like the way California is and they try to make it California. Right. And, uh, and so Texas is actually one that's kind of crazy. Uh, four years from now, it may not look the same when you look at the electoral college. Yeah, for sure. That is something, you know, we have a family in Plano and uh, some companies that uh, have to do, you know, things that like South by Southwest and they're like, Oh, this yeah. is like a, like a weird little Southern Manhattan. Like it's uh, there's, yeah. you know, there's some things that are definitely changing and at a pretty, you know, surprisingly, you know, rapid rate. But when we're talking about like shining the light on things, one, one of the things that I was hoping that we would do as a two way community, when we started to get these phone calls from friends, like, Oh, now I all of a sudden do have a felt need to own a firearm is that we were going to be welcoming as much as possible, that we are going to be able to bring these people in, not make them feel stupid, not make them feel dumb, you know, because it's probably taken a lot of guts and courage if you were someone who was either gun agnostic or totally against it until now you have this felt need. And now you start asking questions and you're being bullied around a little bit. You know, I don't know if you've seen that on the forums and things that that you keep up with, but I can't help but see when we're dealing with social media and everything, not only for our brands, but looking at the blogs that people talk about us on and looking at these message boards and these different Facebook groups or whatever, where someone's new, they're just asking a question and you're getting a lot of, you know, people that are coming out and, Sure, there are a lot who are saying, you know, welcome, here are some great resources and things you could do. Here's some training facilities in your area. But there's also been a lot of, well, you weren't with us then, you shouldn't be with us now. And a lot of, you know, kind of tribalism, uh, you know, that that's going along with it. And I, and I, I'm, I'm worried that maybe there's been enough of us that maybe we've, we've missed the mark there and welcoming in these, these new gun owners uh, to the fold. Would, would you say that that would be kind of a, an accurate hypothesis from what you've seen as well? Our, our, our audience uh, of shooters and hunters, there are parts of our audience that definitely have been guilty of this for years of not being welcoming, whether it, I mean, it's funny that you bring this up because I've had conversations over the last few days about just this. I mean, we were to, I was out hunting Sunday morning um, in a duck blind with my buddy who grew up in it and is hardcore and he's got his son with him. And I took my daughter for the first time and uh, on public land. And we were talking about how, as hunters, people can be so protective of their land or where they go hunt and their spots. And so they don't want to take anybody with them. They want to introduce new people to it. They want to be secretive. It's a secret club. Well, guess what? You're going to lose. Yeah. You're going to lose ability to hunt. You're going to, you're going to lose um, a voice, you know, and it's the same thing with shooting. Um, this morning we were talking about this and uh, one of the folks was talking with, he said, you know, I went to this range and fairly new to pistol shooting and happened to have this little pocket pistol, which we know pocket pistols are not easy to shoot. And he's shooting and occasionally hitting the little one by frame on uh, holding the target up. And what does the range officer do? Does he come over and say, 
hey man, how's it going? You need any help with that? Or, you know, those, those can be tricky. No, what does he do? He says, hey, stop shooting my, my wood frames. Yeah. And it's like, if you're new to this, are you going to stick around? Are you going to go, you want to screw this? Yeah. I'm going to go play golf. Right. I don't need this bullshit. So yeah. I mean, it's like, we as a community can be bad about this and we got to snap out of it. We got to be more welcoming. And, and look, I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you've been shooting for 50 years or you're new to it. Hey, if you have a gun and you're interested and you want to dive in and learn more about it and perhaps become a 2A supporter, I'm yeah. all in. Yeah. I don't care if what color you are, what creed, what your, you know, your favorite color is. Welcome in. Let's do it. Let's go shooting. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that's uh, a huge deal. And because, you know, we've we've talked to, uh, for example, one of the friends of our our show is Tony Simon with The Second Is For Everyone, and he does the diversity shoot, um, you know, where he partners with two-way communities kind of all across the spectrum, you know, whether it's the LGBTQ community that's into shooting sports, you know, whether yeah. it's uh, just uh, people of color that are into the shooting sports, you know, he himself, you know, a uh, uh, former, former Marine, uh, but to talk to him, like, look at first glance, you're just like, this might just be the most jovial, happiest man I've ever met in my entire life. And I think he, imper he personifies it really, really well. You want to welcome people in and understanding that I don't have to agree, agree with you about everything on the political spectrum. We don't need to agree about uh, marriage rights. We don't need to agree about how protests should be happening. We don't need to agree about all these little other things because what's on the chopping block right now is something that we have common ground on and that is second amendment rights. And I think that there is a bit of a mental hurdle um, that goes into it because I think a lot of folks, like you were saying, maybe the guys who have been, oh, I've, I've been shooting for 50 years. I never take people to my hunting grounds. It's very, you know, the the boys club kind of mentality to it or mm -hmm. fight club at that point, I suppose. But you know, that the, they, you know, are so guarded with it that to, to them kind of letting people who are different than them into that community, it, it's too much of an opposing, uh, an opposing mindset. And I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said that, uh, you know, adulthood is being able to hold two conflicting, you know, pieces of information and harmony in your brain at one time. And I think that yeah. that's kind of where we need to be to understand, no, like we don't need to have all of the same uh, types of views on all of the world's problems, because right now our common ground is uh, we want to make sure that we're able to protect ourselves to hunt, to be able to own these firearms legally and so on. I'm just very, very concerned that uh, we may have missed a golden opportunity uh, to, to welcome all these new folks into the community. No, you're right. And, you know, number one, it's about don't be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just <laughs> beyond anything else, just don't act that way. Don't, you know, act, but also to me, it's about winning. Mm-hmm. Do you want to win or do you not when it comes to the second amendment? And if you're on my side, I don't care. Let's, yeah. let's get on board. Exactly what you said, Dustin. I mean, it's like, I don't care what your background is. Um, you're trying to get into this. And it's hard to argue that the, for the most part, when people, these six and a half million gun owners, new gun owners, um, they're buying it for the, all the same reason. Mm -hmm. It's because they're concerned about their safety, their, their safety, their family's safety. And, uh, and 
I mean, it's kind of, that's, that's a universal thing that pretty much everyone can get on board with. And I just, I don't understand why anyone would give anybody a hard time. Yeah. Um, you know, this is about winning. And if you don't get on board and everybody get on the same page and sing from the same song sheet, um, there are a lot of people that don't believe in the second amendment or your rights and they want to take it away. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think comes back to felt need. You know, when we shot our first episode of this show and we were talking about, uh, you know, who was a gun owner and looking at the data and taking common misconceptions or stereotypes. When you look at Gallup polls or any other reputable source for data on gun ownership and just guns in society, you see that there were a lot of people who they weren't against it, but they just didn't happen to be gun owners. And the reasons ranged from, you know, anything from, you know, oh, well, it was just never in my home, so I'm not really used to it, so I've never really had one, uh, all the way to just felt need. You know, oh, I just never felt, I felt like I was always in safe places, mm -hmm. uh, never really crossed my mind. But it, what it showed was there were a lot of people who they were open to it. They just really, for lack of a better term, hadn't gotten around to it, uh, to owning a gun or, or being part of it, whether that was because of felt need or finances or where they lived or what have you, the fear of jumping into a club that people would make fun of them in for asking questions, whatever that may be. And I think we've seen that now. We've seen that data actually play out because a lot of the people who were buying uh, firearms this year for the first time were people from, you know, kind of un underrepresented, uh, underrepresented communities uh, for gun owners, you know, people of color, women, people of various tax brackets, you know, it was all over the place. I, I think we're really seeing that, you know, uh, that data actually flesh itself out for sure. But one thing I do want to ask you about before we start wrapping up is uh, something I didn't see uh, getting into firearms media was being um, pro-police was kind of a divisive thing, which is something I was not uh, anticipating. You know, we have things like our guardian purchase program here where uh, military law enforcement, first responders, you know, they get special pricing and perks and stuff all year long mm -hmm. as a way to say thank you to them. And uh, something I, I did not expect to see this year was, you know, sometimes we'll get negative feedback from people saying that, oh, police enforce tyrannous gun laws, you know, and colorful language, you know, about, about the police. And I think yoked up with this whole idea of the defund the police movement, which I'm really concerned is going to get some new steam, uh, with, with Biden Harris. Uh, you know, I'll just say, I don't even know if this is a question. This is just something I'm concerned about. I think this is something that the, the two is most of the people in the two A community, you know, would be, you know, concerned about with being with gun talk being in this media landscape for so long. I mean, do you feel that not just regular public perception of law enforcement has changed, but it's also changed in the two A community overall, whether that be in the same vein of defund the police or if it's just, you know, shall not be infringed you know, they enforce tyrannical gun laws, you know, kind of where do you think that line has been shifting about for the last, you know, decades that you guys have been around? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think that in general, our, our community of shooters, hunters, gun owners are fairly, uh, 
they're pro-law enforcement. They're certainly um, pro-law and order, right? right? Um, there, there are those cases of we were just following orders kind of stuff. You have, you know, Ruby Ridge and Waco and these different things that have come up over the years that people haven't forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And they go, you know, I, I lived through uh, Hurricane Katrina. I lived in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina came through and the police were just following orders and kicking in doors and knocking over elderly women when they said, no, no, I'm okay. I don't need to go anywhere. I have, I have my, my revolver here Yeah, and they're, you know, tackling them to the ground to apprehend the gun, gun. Yeah. And it's like, I, I get it, but we also know that the majority of law enforcement do a great job. Um, the stuff that we see recently in the media, um, some of it's been, some of it's been maybe, uh, there have been some bad shoots. There's also been some actually totally valid shoots that the media and the public know nothing about mm -hmm. what the law enforcement has been trained to do and, and the proper protocol. And a lot of them, they were following proper pro protocol, but we don't, we don't wait for, you know, an investigation and a trial and see what happens. We just start rioting on day one. Right. Um, and, and of course, when there is an investigation and a trial and an officer is found to have done the correct thing, there's no apology from the media going, oh, sorry about all that, you know, public uh, stuff we yeah. put out there about you and, and caused this whole uproar. So I don't know. I don't know how it's changed over the years. Um, I think it's, you know, like we totally support you, but don't mess with, mess with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing. And I guess I, I just ask that because, uh, it, they seem to be running some parallel paths. And I think the people who are saying, uh, you know, yay, assault weapons ban and yay, defund the police, it all goes down to lethal force and lethal force is tied into firearms directly for most folks, you know, in their minds. And that's where I've, I just have a concern that those lines are running just, just too close together that, that they're getting blurred. And that's, I mean, that's a personal concern of mine. I have friends and family who are police officers. And the minute I see them having to not wear their riot gear because, the public has said it makes them nervous. You know, it, that's the sort of stuff that starts getting, getting my juices flowing. Cause I'm thinking of my friends and family that are out there trying to protect folks. Um, that I would really like to, uh, and I don't know if it would help or not. Maybe I'm just a Pollyanna about this, but, um, it feels like they talk about, well, the police need more training. Um, and it, of course, they don't know how much training the police have. They just want them to have more of right. it. Um, but we also are going to pull funds from them. Yes. We want them to do more training. <laughs> right. Um, but I really wish there were maybe more opportunities to train the public about what you should and should not do in interactions with the police. Right. Um, and and I get it. There are there is there's abuse of power that happens probably you know, every day or weekly, um, around the country. And, and there's, it's a really difficult job, but what do you expect to happen? Are you, right. you know, when, if you get, if you go, you know, Hey, I, I, do you think fighting, literally fighting the police or trying to grab their gun is what's the outcome going to be here? Right. Um, right. versus, okay, this is wrong. 
I'm going to have to go to court about this, which also sucks. But I just don't understand the logic in, you know, why isn't anyone going, well, that was really stupid. Right. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't point guns at police. What do you expect the reaction will be? Yeah. Well, like you said, it's, it's protest and media stance on day one. As soon as the cell phone clip gets sent to an outlet, you know, it's, it's already there. And the, the problem becomes, it's no longer tell someone the truth. It's debunk what they first saw. You know, you have to, you know, when the truth does come out, uh, if it ever does on, on uh, general media, you're not just reporting the news anymore. You now have to backpedal and recalibrate the entire situation. And I think that that is probably one of the more uh, scary things, because like you said, nobody's coming out and making public apologies. Nobody's coming out or redacting, uh, you know, news articles, you know, when, when, you know, certain police officers or in certain situations, you know, all the facts do come out later. And uh, also going, you know, to bring this full circle with the election. And like we were talking about with, you know, having some play in the house and having some play in the Senate, you know, I had some people ask me, they were like, why do you think that, you know, Biden was up over Trump in all these elections, but we still had so many, you know, House and, and Senate seats that were going Republican. And I said, well, my personal thought is a lot of people get that ballot and just vote president, vice president, and they don't fill out the rest of the ballot. You know, they're not voting um, for their, you know, local and state uh, the same way that they are for president, vice president. And the, with the whole policing thing, I think people forget you have more of a voice in how the police in your community uh, operate than you think. You, you elect the sheriff, you elect mm -hmm. the mayor. Um, so, you know, if you elect the sheriff, all the deputies, all the folks in the sheriff's office, they're all under them. And if you elect the mayor and you elect city council, and well, those are the people that the city police report to. And then if you're in places like, you know, like we have big colleges here that have their own police departments, well, we sign off on the things saying, yes, you know, they're allowed to have their own police department. Uh, we do have a, a very strong voice in it, but we don't exercise it with the education and willpower that we should. It's just every four years when the election comes up for the president, we put all of our eggs in that basket and go, hey, federal government, I want you to do my will and let it trickle down. You know, there's when people are talking about defunding the police and having to retrain police, I'm like, okay, well, where's that? at? Is that the constable in the small town? Is that your sheriff? Is that your city police? Is that your Bureau of Criminal Investigation? Don't forget you have those guys. There's there's more than just, uh, you know, the the city police that, that you see out on the beat. We I think we really do. We, we have a voice there. It's just people have not been educated to the fact that, hey, your vote does matter for that. If you're upset about the police in your community, your city, your county, you need to vote you know, accordingly. Well, and that is also true for gun rights and gun laws. Um, you can get a lot done at the local and state level. I think we think about these, you know, we were talking about a bunch about what might Biden do. Well, there's a lot of stuff at the local and state level that you can accomplish and either um, roll back stuff that's 
that's really infringing on your 2A rights or um, keep it from, you know, going there. And, you know, support your state group. That's really important. And again, in the last year and a half or so, there's been a lot of um, turmoil with the NRA and, and people, and I get it. And, and, uh, but I just don't want people to not support anything. Like, well, right. I'm not going to give any dollars to the NRA. Well, that's fine. You don't have to, but support your state groups, please, mm-hmm. first and foremost, because they don't have the type of funding that other groups have, but they can actually get a lot done and show up, show up to your state capital, show up to the town council meetings, um, show up to your, your county commissioner or whatever, make yourself known. And, uh, and also you know, maybe look for a different, a different group, like a second amendment foundation, or, um, there's, there's some guys doing some, you know, legal battles in a lot of places that, um, set precedent. Now, guess what? We've got the yeah. Supreme court now, so we right. can actually maybe even make a little bit more headway. Absolutely. Well, uh, Ryan, I really appreciate your time and running down the rabbit hole with me here. It's, uh, it's all these things that start piling up in a situation like we're living in right now with election results and pending legislation and all the things that have happened under the umbrella of the pandemic. So it's great to get, uh, get your insights, but if people want to learn more about gun talk and all the different shows and things you have, uh, where are the best places that they could go? to figure out more about you. So guntalk.com is a good place to start. We also have obviously channels on YouTube, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire. We have a big video site called Gun Talk TV, 2000 plus videos that are all free. And uh, and also the Gun Dealio app is a free smartphone app for Androids and, and iOS. Um, Guns and Gear is one of our TV shows that airs on Sportsman Channel and also online. First Person Defender is another show we do. So, you know, anywhere you can, and then of course, podcasts. Um, Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find Gun Talk Radio and all the different Gun Talk Nation, Gun Talk Hunt. Just look for Gun Talk. Excellent. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. We'll definitely make sure that all those links are in our show notes this week. You'll be able to find that at factsandfirearms.com slash blog. Click on episode 42 uh, for all of the links and notes and all the stuff to get you to the right place for gun talk. So again, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I think it goes without saying that uh, pretty much every gun owner has their favorite tools, their favorite things that they like to keep in their range bag or at their workbench. Uh, And it's no secret for us that the Wheeler Fat Wrench is one of those. We have several of these up in our assembly area with our armory technicians. And it's because it's a simple, great device uh, that can be used in multiple applications. It's an adjustable torque wrench in a screwdriver type fashion with a series of bits that'll help you with everything from rifle takedown to scope mounting and everything in between. Fantastic tool. Uh, So if you haven't checked these out, you can go to wheelertools.com and they're available in a ton of places, including amazon.com. But make sure you check it out, especially if you're looking for that one missing piece for your workbench or you want to give it to a uh, new gun owner to help set up their range bag. Definitely a great choice. Again, check out our friends at wheelertools com and take a look at the fat wrench. All right. Well, we have another special guest filling in for Jay this week. The lovely Britt Faxon is on the show with us. Thank you uh, for joining us. Justin, again. thanks for having me on here. I um, uh, I don't mean to. But what in the world is this? Come on. Now. Jay's custom board. Where's mine? 
We could get one. Amazon has wonderful things. That's where I got that bad boy. The smooth, uh, smooth twenty dollars could get you a Bet custom. You. A custom Spoiled. Board. He was giving me grief because, like, we would like lay out pieces of paper for him to put his candies and junk on. <laughs> he goes, "We need, we need, we need cutting we need, boards. We need something. We need he wanted like a plate. Yes, cutting boards. Yes, you got a personalized. Uh, this looks like more board. like. It the looks like a paddle yes, from this, like a sorority <laughs> or a fraternity paddle. That's what it looks like for me. You Did you ever me? see this? It looks like the stuff that our parents spanked <laughs> us with in the 70s. Uh, my personal favorite was like the bouncy ball racket things. When those would break, uh, my mom would just stack those up in the cabinet. And those were the... Uh, oh, my God. The, <laughs> that's what was used there. But we don't have time to unpack all of that. Um, so <laughs> we'll move on. Before, all right, let's do it. Before we uh, get uh, too, deeper, too deep down the rabbit hole, uh, this week's segment is brought to you by our Friends at Crimson Trace, we're going to be giving away one of the CMR 204s, uh, the Railmaster Pro Light and Laser. If you'd like to enter for that, all you got to do is visit factsandfirearms.com slash blog and click on episode 42. 42 episodes, Britt. 42. Way to go. 42. It's uh, coming coming to the end of the first year. So this week, we are actually going to be showing a segment that we filmed a little while back getting ready for Thanksgiving. And so you were nice enough to open up your home to us. We made some Geta with some products from uh, Meat, MeetYourMaker.com. And uh, we also dove into a family recipe of uh, chess pie. Right on. Do you want to just uh, tell the folks a little bit about why that is a staple at the Facts and Thanksgiving table? Well, because there would be a mutiny if people showed up <laughs> for Thanksgiving and it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a favorite. You know, not everybody likes... Um, nuts in their food they they can get a little picky about that yeah. and so it's just the best of pecan pie without the pecans and this was a recipe that was bob and barry's mom's right that that betty faxon yeah yes this was her recipe she would share this in the pta cookbooks and yeah. uh like i said my stepmom called me one day at work and and said you have to make this bobby and i were newly married and um she gave me the recipe out of the PTA cookbook because we all through the years went to the same elementary school here in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. My stepmom had this cookbook and so she shared the recipe. And like I said, that better be at Thanksgiving or people are going to be yeah. angry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, something that that Bob uh, reiterates pretty consistently, which which I love, is that, you know, that he believes in the fellowship of firearms. And I believe there is definitely fellowship with food. And so those two things run uh, pretty simpatico, especially mm -hmm. this time of year. So uh, before we go any further, uh, we're going to cut now to a little teaser of our Thanksgiving special, which will be out on YouTube and all of your favorite social platforms next week. Uh, but here is how to make the Faxon family chess pie with Britt and Jay Wilson. All right, so today I'm going to teach Jay how to make chess pie. Chess pie is a recipe that's been around in the Faxon family for a long time. I was lucky enough to get a phone call one day from my stepmom who was working on the PTA at Chevy at school in Cincinnati, Ohio. She goes, hey, tonight, surprise Bobby. I found one of your mother-in-law's recipes in the PTA cookbook. 
you've got to make this today before he gets home. I'm like, all right, give it to me. So it's the chess pie recipe. Let me show you something though. She called me at work and just to let you know how long ago it was Whoa. at work, it was in the days where we still used these little pink notifications telling us Man. that we had a message. Important message. And here it is. <laughs> this is Betty Faxon's chess pie recipe nice. from the PTA cookbook from Chevy at School. Very Jay, are exciting. you ready? Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm let's very do it. Excited. Okay. I'm not much of a baker, so uh, I'm pretty Jay, excited. Jay, this about is not this. like chemistry baking. Yeah. This is like easy baking. Nice. All right, we're not going to use easy bake oven, but easy yeah. baking. Yeah, right. Okay, let's start. Let's go with one cup of brown sugar. All right. I dump always it dump it in. Dump I it always end up with a combination of light and brown in the in the container, so it doesn't really matter. Cool. Let's go with a half a cup of white sugar. All right. All right, very nice, very nice. And then, oh, I'm losing my way here. Two table, we're going with um, one tablespoon of flour. One tablespoon of flour? Yes, sir. All right. Two eggs. Two eggs. Two tablespoons of milk. All right. Two tablespoons of milk. One teaspoon of vanilla. You, or, Jay, you know what? Let's oh. pretend like this is cooking. I'll eyeball it. Yeah, you eyeball it. Good. Perfect. All right. All right. And then we're going to, that is a half a cup of melted butter in here. All right. Anything that starts with a half a cup of Is your uh, thing? melted butter. My thing too. Totally on board. All right. Totally on board. All right. How's this contraption work? We're going to put up the bowl. Okay. And we just want to mix it until it's light and frothy. Light and frothy. The color is okay. going to change. It's going to get a lighter brown. Yeah. Grab that. Grab that pie crust that pie you made crust. earlier in the yeah, day. Yeah, right. Totally, <laughs> totally made this earlier in the day. Definitely made. <laughs> I think we might have to give the. Hold on a second. Don't put that in there yeah, now, yeah, Jay. Right. Or that thing is hitting the ceiling. <laughs> right. See how the color is changing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Let's get some of that. Just the. There wasn't much flour in there, so let's make sure we get it yeah, all in. Right. I feel like it's important for leavening or something. Something, whatever it is. Yeah, those does. people who bake, they understand what flour does. Yeah, right. Right. It holds things together, leavens, I don't know. We were talking about this earlier. Bakers are sort of like like scientists. They you are. Know, and, and cookers are an entirely different different thing. Yep. Up you go. All right, up I go. Let's give it a few more. And we just want it to all be incorporated. Yeah. I feel like it's there. Lower the bowl. I'll take this off for you. Alright. Jay, do you do, you, going? do you want the do you want the I'm all right. you're all right? Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
Oh. Yep, into the into the pie crust. Into the pie crust. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And this is not a deep dish pie crust. It's just the regular pie crust. Good job, Jay. You are a baker. Oh, we had some lumps. Yeah. Some, yeah. Some Thanks for not getting the lumps in there. Right, I figured I was only supposed to put the... Yeah, right. Egg. I don't know, it could be like a, a little bonus if you got that in your piece of pie, right? I mean, it could, yeah, like a, those weird Easter cakes where they hide... Um, no, no, that's a that's a king cake where they yeah, hide yeah, the, the baby king cake. Easter. That's a, that's it. It's that's not Easter it's yet. Not Easter. We were preparing for yeah, Easter yeah, at that right, point. Right, the king cake. All right, so some people maybe would put a little bit of aluminum foil on there to keep the crust from browning too much. I happen to like the crust yeah, kind of move. well done. It's <laughs> totally a sucker move. So we're going to go straight. We're going to go straight into the oven with right. this. Yeah. Cool. Right yeah. We got 375. We've got 375 for about 42 minutes. <laughs> 42 minutes. <laughs> 42 minutes. All right. All right. All right. I know. Baking, you know, it's got to be a little bit precise. Baking's a science, right? 42 minutes. You got it. All right, ready to make whipped cream? Yeah, Gotta have absolutely. It. Two cups of heavy whipping cream. Cups, this is four cups, right? Yeah. Yeah. That looks good. Right. Two cups heavy whipping cream. Turn it up. Turn it up. Turn, Turn it the up. bowl up. Oh, okay. Okay. Turn it on high. And let's just watch it. All right. We don't want butter. We want right. whipped cream. Right, absolutely. What happens when we over whip? Butter. Butter. Yeah. Which is delicious. Yeah, right, right. I mean. <laughs> but we want whipped cream. Right, it's not that bad of a mistake, I guess. No. Once it starts to probably get about halfway, we'll go with maybe a table, a two tablespoons. And then test it. Sure. And instead of doing vanilla, we're going to do bourbon. Nice. 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 Good I think we're ready. All right. All right. Two tablespoons? Yeah, I think, don't you? We don't want it to be too sweet. Yeah, yeah right. Two Powdered sugar. Powdered Not regular sugar. sugar. I think it just leaves, it's just smoother. Okay. Right. Darn close. Yeah, it's starting to look really good. You like it a little looser or firm with cream? I think I like it a little firmer. All right. Whatever you think. How much? What's the what's the general amount? Uh, I don't, I don't, why don't know we, much about it. Why don't we yeah, try a things. tablespoon? Tablespoon. Is that like a part of a shot? Uh, just pour. Tablespoon. Plus mm, yeah, plus a little more. There you go. Couple Let's of try it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Smells great. Oh yeah. I think we're there. Nice. Test it. Test it. Okay. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Delicious. All right. Next. Yeah, we're there. Let's get that pie out of the oven. 
Excellent. Serve up a piece. Excellent. All right. Nice job, Jay. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> what size pieces do we want? That's perfect. I do like the brown crust. You know, I think that's really the way to go. Who wants anemic crust? Nobody. All right. All right, service up. Very pretty, nice job. Beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. I can't wait to taste nice. it. This looks incredible. Right mm -hmm. on. Nice job. Mm -hmm. That's great. Spot on. That's great. Love the bourbon whipped cream with it. Very nice. Good job, Jay. those of you who have been watching the podcast for a while, you may know that uh, we had Ryan Donahue from Crimson Trace on for one of our episodes to talk all things optics and red dots and some of the exciting things that CT has coming up. But I just wanted to share one of my personal favorite products of theirs, and that is their Railmaster Pro, the CMR204. So not only is it a tactical light, it's also a laser, and it has all of the industry proven technology that Crimson Trace has been known for for so many years. But they're not just limited to things like lights and lasers. They've made a big splash in the electro optics game, whether it's looking at something like a traditional rifle scope, or maybe even their new battle optic, which you may or may not have seen in some TV shows and movies recently, they have a lot to offer. So obviously you're gonna be seeing some more stuff uh, of Crimson Trace popping up with us here at Facts and Firearms. You may have even seen it uh, staged on our limited edition Mustang rifle that came out in the spring of 2020. Again, lots of cool stuff from them, just like the CMR204 or anything in their Railmasters series, we would encourage you to check them out at crimsontrace.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, we would love for you to spread the word about the show and look for us on your favorite podcasting and video apps. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. You can find links to all of those outlets at factsandfirearms.com slash blog. Don't forget if you're interested in signing up for the Sportsman giveaway, there's only a few days left. You get not only the custom 350 Legend rifle from us here at Fax, and you also get a Thompson Center muzzle loader, great prizes from Scentlock, Rocky Boots, Crimson Trace, Hornady Ammo, Bison Coolers, Primary Arms Optics, and a whole lot more. Visit factsandfirearms.com for all of the ways to enter. And while you're entering contests, don't forget to visit factsandfirearms.com slash blog. Click on episode 42 for all of the ways to enter for the CMR 204. Don't forget that next week we will be having our Thanksgiving special. We're going to be showing you how to smoke 
smoke a turkey uh, with the Camp Chef Woodwind. We're also going to be looking at making homemade Cincinnati Geta uh, with Jay and Britt using products from our friends at Meat, meetyourmaker.com, as well as Chess Pie, like you saw today. So don't forget uh, to subscribe on your favorite apps so you can see that Thanksgiving special as well. Don't forget if you would like to reach out to us, you have a question, a guest suggestion, a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to email us at podcast at factsandfirearms.com. We would love to hear from you and get some of those on the air. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. We want to extend our deepest gratitude to military, police, first responders, and more by saying thank you with special pricing and discounts on all Faxon products. Here's how you get started. First, you'll head on over to our website, faxandfirearms.com. From there, you'll want to click Support and Guardian Purchase Program in the drop-down. Then you'll see the instructions on how to get started, so let's just walk through those. First, you'll want to register for an account on our website. If you've already bought something from us on our website before, then this part's already taken care of. Second, you'll want to send a copy of your credentials or some reasonable verification of affiliation to customer service at factionfirearms.com. We get a lot of emails where people are like, hey, will this count? Will this ID count? Will this VA card count? Chances are, yes, a lot of them will count, but make sure you attach an image or a copy of that verification to the email before you even ask customer service. That way they can expedite the process for you. As soon as the account has been created or updated, we will send you an email letting you know that you're ready to go. The discount will be available anytime online when you go to your shopping cart. If you have any more questions, please email customer service at factsandfirearms.com.